0: and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hey everyone, Michelle here. I'm so excited to let you know about Freedom Model International Membership. Get support as you deprogram from the 12 steps and the shackles of addiction recovery. For a low monthly membership fee, you get the Freedom Model online program, which includes our books, our audiobooks, workbooks, and all the additional lessons. You also get the Freedom Model for the Family online program as well. You will get a live, members only two hour question and answer webinar with Mark and myself the last Wednesday of every month. And each week, we're going to add a new video lesson. We call this the What We Learned This Week series. Lastly, we also have the Freedom Model International monthly newsletter where we're going to tackle the current events and the latest research for you. All this for just $39.95 per month. You can stay a member for as long as you need, and you can suspend or cancel your subscription whenever you're ready. Go to online.thefreedommodel.org to sign up today. Hi, everybody. Hey, everybody. Here we are again. Time for another Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran. Listen, if you hear any ambient
1: noise, it's because, once again, we're in my office and then we have guests here at the retreat.
0: Yeah, it's- we have somebody in the room right above us. So. Yeah.
1: so they just turned on the water and it's very loud. I don't know if you can hear that. So I
0: hope you can't hear Let's it. hope
1: not. Um, so today we're talking about the difference between deliberating in our mind about a topic and feeling like something is a battle inside of us,
0: yeah, it's i' I've had a lot of uh, classes and discussions with different people, both online, on the phone and um and here at the retreat over the last couple of weeks that this has been a recurring theme where where it it feels like you're battling within yourself. you know, you get to that point where you're like i don't I don't want to keep doing this. And it doesn't feel like I'm doing it because I like it. And so, you know, we have this um, this framework of addiction that kind of, if you believe in it, even a little bit, it seems plausible that, that there's this battle going on inside you that you're battling something um, rather than if you frame it as, I'm just figuring things out. I'm deliberating on how much I really like this. Because if you, frame it as a battle, make no mistake it is.
1: Yeah, here's what's interesting about the battle argument and I've talked about this in some of the other podcasts. Whenever you frame um your habits as some sort of battle, in order for there to be a battle, there has to be two entities present. Or else there's nothing to battle. <laughs> right. So, I think we all agree that you are you, I am me, she is she. So, you have us, your y- yourself, right? Your own mind. And, but if you are, you yourself are battling something, that means that there's something either out there or there's another entity within you that is also a thinking apparatus that you have to battle against. Yeah. Now, the battle can also be defined within um, addiction lore as uh, your brain chemistry. Conspiring against you. Now, I want you to think about what I just said your brain chemistry conspiring against you. These are, or, or that it's been hijacked by the drugs. Do you see? Think about conspired that acts as mm-hmm. if there's a mind present. Um, being hijacked means there's some intelligent agent in the drug that has taken over your brain tissue, which then makes you compelled to use. Right. All of this stuff about the battle is folklore, but. The reason that we really don't question it is because we don't question it. You know, we don't sit there and say to ourselves, wait a minute, what the hell am I really saying here? You know, do I really believe there is a nebulous force called addiction that is conspiring against me? Is there a disease that takes over my biochemistry and makes me compelled to use, forces me beyond my will? So automatically, anytime you have arguments like that, you're creating another entity and the question is at, at, right at its base is is there is there another entity that is just as smart or smarter than you are that is going to force you to 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 drink and drug heavily beyond your will i don't i don't think there is
0: well it doesn't make any sense and and there's sometimes with people i have to bring it back to the basics which is cuz cuz the other argument i get is well there's some there's some something in alcohol or there's something in a drug that that takes over or that works on certain receptors in your brain so that you once you have one of the substance it triggers that you need to keep going and you always have to go back to but you stop but at the you yeah. know at when you're the drunkest you stop when you're the highest you stop when you're the most addicted, people stop. I mean, if it were true, then that would never happen.
1: Right. You would be, as Steve put in the book, you would be a drug or alcohol taking zombie. Yes. It it sounds ridiculous when we say things like that. I think people sometimes think we're just making fun um, when we use terms like that, but you literally would be, you would be powerless, truly powerless. And powerless. Isn't there is no half powerless. You see, the, the the term powerless or addicted in that sense is an all-or-nothing term. It says you don't have free will, you know. So is there a dual mind present? That's what it comes down to. And and me and Steve used to talk about this all the time. And and if we were to summarize the battle argument, you have to believe in the dual mind idea that there are two entities present battling with each other and that you are one of them your mind your thoughts and you are saying to yourself i can't stop myself because there is this nebulous force this other mind present and and that's weird stuff
0: yeah so so what if let's just for the sake of argument what if instead of seeing it that way seeing that there's this angel and devil battling in your in within yourself um what if you looked at it differently? What if you looked at it like, okay, I still really like this thing. I still really like getting drunk. I still really like being high. Um, I don't like the consequences of it. I don't like the costs I'm paying for it. I don't like that it upsets people around me or whatever it is that you don't like about it. Or maybe I don't like being hung over the next day. You know, that the immediate consequences of of bedspins or feeling sick or whatever it is, Um, But I still really like this thing and I don't want to like it anymore. And so what if you looked at it like, like figuring it out, like taking, like you would any other decision, like you would buying a new car.
1: That's, that I think is the key is when you put it, what you just said, when you put it on the same level playing field as any other decision that it's not special, right? The only reason that addiction quote unquote, is special is because we've a- attached all this complicated mythology to it. Yeah. All these ideas, like what I was just talking about, which may seem esoteric to some people when I'm talking about it, but it really is how we believe this stuff. You know, we believe there's, there's a- an actual entity called addiction and that we lose control. Well, what do we lose control to?
0: Right? I mean, if you're saying you lose control, to what? Right. Right, it, it it's, are is there a puppet master that's like you know pulling your strings? I mean, it, can alcohol be a puppet bas- master? Can can heroin be a puppet master? I mean, that's what you're saying. You're saying that this substance is like controlling you.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're literally saying that. So so and and Michelle brought up the the biochemistry argument. The, the problem with the biochemistry argument is that that's not your mind. Your brain is not your mind. And uh, so, so how would a drug know the complexities of thought? How would it know that? How would you walk into a room stressed out of your mind after a terrible day at work and, and you, you believe that alcohol is going to take that stress away? How would it know to do that? It would have to be intelligent. Now, here's what's really kind of strange about this. When you're in AA, it discusses alcohol, and this is the basis of all treatment in America. It discusses alcohol as if it is alive. Yeah. And that's where the folklore began deep. That's where we started yeah, to, without, so true. we took it for granted that, that alcohol is cunning, baffling, and powerful. You know, these are ideas that Bill Wilson came up with when they personified alcohol, when they created an entity called addiction. And we just took it for granted for seven generations, right? It's 80 years old now, more than 80 years around. And we've been repeating this shit for, for that entire time.
0: Well, I need you to think about it though, because really where it comes from is even way before that, where, you know, like alcohol is called spirits. Yeah. You know, yeah. that that it contained, like, the, it made you, you know, become possessed, right, by yes. evil spirits. Yes, demon rum. Yeah, and I mean, there was a period of time when, even with mental illness, people were thought to be possessed by demons. Right,
1: they were witches, right?
0: Yep, and so all kinds of things would happen. So re- when you look at AA... And you look at the way it personifies alcohol, it's an extension of that. You're still, you're still, this is still based on like hunting for witches and doing um, exorcisms. And it's all based on that kind of misinformation. And now we've got it mainstreamed in the medical world, which isn't the first time, by the way. That's right. That that happens. I mean, you know, that it medical and kind of the occult has always been a little bit uh, yeah, mixed together. yeah, that's true. That's true. So, so I, you know, when you think about it that way, when you think about, do I really believe that there is something in alcohol that's evil that is taking me over or something in heroin or something in, I mean, when you believe in that kind of mythology, that's what you believe.
1: Yeah, and that, then you're getting into trouble. Because once you get there, there's no real way to find a solution because you're trying to solve something that is a straw man. You're trying to solve something that actually in reality, in objective reality, doesn't even exist. There is no entity called addiction that is attacking you. There is no condition. There is no disorder. There is just a person, you, me, Michelle, whoever. That is making decisions based on what they believe is best for them. Yes, and that includes smoking crack, doing heroin, drinking at a bar all night, whatever it might be, going on a binge in a hotel for five days, whatever it might be. So, so when we when we get rid of the folklore, you can see here how tr- how problematic the folklore is because now you're swinging at windmills. You know they they don't exist. There is no there is no thing called addiction. Right. There, there isn't meaning there is no thing that compels you to use past your will. There's just decision-making internally. That's the only thing that's ever created an addiction or a habit, and that it's no different than any other habit that you've created, except for the fact that you're bound by a bunch of mythology that keeps you swinging at windmills.
0: So in order to... So if you're somebody that's out there right now that is struggling, like... you, you you're framing it and you don't want to frame it that way anymore but for so long you've thought of it this way yeah. where where i'm battling this this part of me that that keeps wanting to do this thing kind of you're going to have to walk it back a little bit and think okay i really like to do this thing
1: right i like it
0: i really I like, like to do this thing and let me figure out what i like about
1: it yeah it's it's just like you would with any problematic habit Let's say that you had a habit of driving fast and you got five tickets in a week, you're going to lose your license and you're like, damn it, you know, this is going to cost me a grand in the court and all that. I and gotta... you probably do that without even thinking. That's right. That's right. And so then you have to say, why do I like to drive so fast? Now, I know this because I did this, <laughs> <laughs> right? Did the last time I almost <laughs> cried to the cop, I was like 20 years old and I was tearing up because yeah. I was so frustrated with myself. Um and uh, and I had just gotten my license back. By the way, after like two years of not having it, <laughs> I was really pissed off. He
0: learned long before I did. I think I got my last speeding ticket at 27. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but you know, I, I had to look at the fact that I was going to court like every week for speeding tickets, and I was going to lose my license. And I then I said, why? I remember I go, why the hell do I drive so fast? And a lot of it was pure habit. Yeah. But the other part was I just liked the thrill of it, and yep. so I I ended up buying a motorcycle and you know, having my fun other different ways, uh, a dirt bike and stuff like that. But the point is, is I I wouldn't have thought that I had a condition. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have thought that there was some other nebulous force forcing me to get in the car and drive fast. Like that would never even occur to me. No. Now I'll tell you why it occurs to us with drugs and alcohol and why it has been, this idea has been so problematic for so long. And it is because when the substance goes inside you, when you drink it, or inject it, or inhale it, or snort it, or whatever, there is an effect on brain tissue. Yes. That gets conflated or mixed up with that it controls your mind, and it doesn't. Just because it slows or speeds up neural functioning, just because it screws with the processor right here, doesn't mean it changes the content of your perception, doesn't change the content of your thoughts, it doesn't make you do things.
0: Right. It doesn't, it doesn't change your desires, your beliefs, your, it doesn't change any of those things. It's just, and because if you've ever noticed, you never get addicted to experience you don't like, right? So you have to, you, you interpret this thing as pleasurable. And so what we call it in the book and what others have called it is active placebo.
1: That's right. So you have, you do have a physical sensation, a tickle to the body that is very real, measurable, yeah. So you don't have that with driving fast, right? You're not taking the car and ingesting the car and having it go into your into your very private part of your body, right? So so that adds the dimension of specialness to drinking and drugging that can't be denied. Yeah. And it confuses people. It, it, it all of a sudden The whole reason the freedom model exists is because we have to undo all the stuff that's attached to that small reality. And I call it small because when you look at addiction, it says, you know, it relieves stress. There's all this amazing shit. It makes us violent, makes us sexual, makes us, makes us, makes us, Hmm. makes us, makes, and that's all in the mind. And actually what it makes us is either sped up or sloppy in the body. Yes. So now we take what it objectively does and we say, let's put that on a shelf. Basically, you're putting the body on a shelf. Now we're stuck with what? The human mind, which is our thoughts, desires, beliefs, drives, all these things. And you realize that a drug, a molecule can't go into the metaphysical mind. It's that, that process. When you start to parse it out like that, you start to realize, oh my God, oh my God. I, I really It's how I interpret this physical sensation. That's what this is. Yeah. And I get to change that and not make it so significant to myself.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you, th- the other part of this deliberating, and, and I want you to compare it, and we compare it to this all the time, compare it to a long-term relationship. You know, you if you come to that point where you believe you need this substance, right? You need it in your life. You're not sure you you can live without it, or you're not sure you want to live without it um well then you have some real serious deliberating to do just yeah. like you would yeah. when you're leaving a marriage you know because there's there's so many things to consider and and you're still like nobody would ever think of leaving a marriage like they think of an addiction to a drug right nobody would ever frame it that way that you're sick and you're you're just and you're out of control and you're and, out of right. control no because you're just it's a difficult decision it's, you know, it can be, it can be a traumatic decision even to you. And you're, if you're framing it in your mind that way, but it's still a decision on, and, and it's still weighing the benefits, the benefits. And when we talk about it, you know, leave the, leave the costs out for a period of time or switch the costs of using over to benefits of not using, right? Mm-hmm. So, so now you're weighing the benefits of not drinking not using drugs to the benefits of drinking or using drugs you can weigh the benefits of having one or two drinks to the benefits of having 10 drinks
1: notice that she's saying benefits to benefits Mm -hmm. not benefits to costs and benefits
0: that's that's deliberating that is that's what deliberating is that is it's not a battle you're not battling yourself
1: you're making a tough choice yeah so, so, so when you when you have energy in the process of making a decision, when you're you're spending mental energy and emotional energy into to deliberating, um, it feels like a battle sometimes. Yeah, it, it feels like a battle within yourself. It can feel like that if, especially if the choice is one that's really, really balanced, where the benefits of not using are very close to the same degree of happiness value as the benefits of being hammered all the time. And so, so, and, and here's where uh, there's a beautiful experiment you can run, which is the one I ran and the one Michelle ran, the one Steve ran. And that is, we decided to be dedicated to abstinence for a period of time to see if we could be happier. Yes. Not for a week, not for a month, but we did it for years. And we said, we're going to rebuild our lives and we're going to be dedicated to becoming a happier person abstaining. Yeah. I didn't know if I could be, I had never been sober in my teen years. And I quit when I was 18. And for my entire, you know, 12 to 18, I was blitzed, hammered. And all of a sudden I walked out of this chaotic world and I didn't know, I I didn't know how to live. So I just had to try and I had to give myself. It was was, at first. It really was. I was totally like a fish out of water, but it quickly transformed into benefits. And I just focused on, I'm going to be a different guy. And she did the same thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's really what happened is is I didn't like initially make a commitment to total abstinence. Um I was abstinent. I I I was sick when I stopped drinking, like very sick from drinking. Um so I I gave it a period of time so I could physically feel better which i know a lot of people do they get through detox they physically feel better yeah. and yeah. then and then they want to run that experiment again and they go back to drinking so they cycle in and out of binges um, which i had done previous to that but but the, you know i was coming off a 6 month binge so it was it, i was hardcore so i i really wanted to give it at least 6 months and and what what kind of got in the way of having a better attitude about it was AA. Yeah, It's
1: so hard to be happy and be an AA when they tell you your life's going to be shit.
0: <laughs> yes. And it's struggle. You're going to struggle forever. They you're always going to want it. Yeah. They and, create the battle. Yeah. And, and, you know, always remind yourself every day, get up, remind yourself you're powerless, which I was not willing to do because clearly I wasn't. I'm like, I if had, I were powerless, I'd still be drinking. And, and you, so would all the
1: other people in AA. So yep. would all the people that ever drank before that, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I knew that wasn't true. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really struggled to, to even admit that I was happier. I was one of those people where, (laughs) where it was like, I could be like clearly happier. And then all of a sudden I'd find some reason that I wasn't. She she had a bit of drama. (laughs) It's a little, a little bit of a drama queen. (laughs) Just
1: saying, just saying.
0: I I genuinely felt that way. I know. (laughs) Drama. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I did. I you were, you were young I, I and felt the drama. And can I just say, so the drama? I like to write poetry.
1: Oh, okay. so
0: <laughs> I did. I was pretty good at it.
1: No, you were. You were. Yeah, you're a good writer. But
0: but I sure. but I wrote a lot of.
1: Death poem. yeah a lot it. of morose And I'm, I'm
0: not making fun of that because i really was like emotionally troubled i really was he's making fun of me i am
1: making light of it but we were both enormously really emotionally screwed out. up kids <laughs> it was not a healthy
0: going for no, either of us we had it we had a couple uh knockdown dragouts, right yeah <laughs> yes so so so, yeah you see this report now this is 30 some years Yeah. yeah
1: we were different people in those days we
0: were so so yeah it i struggled and there is you know in that deliberating process it can seem difficult and emotional and you can feel i felt alone a lot of the time um and i felt discouraged um but i wasn't i didn't have the attitude that i could have if I weren't in AA, if you're going in and out and you're kind of riding that fence between AA and the freedom model, it's a maybe painful you're doing place. Smart or something else. There's always that that I, I want to say it's a like just this negativity lurking right in your mind, and it's you can't do this. Well, you know what it is is AA is what created
1: the the idea that there's a battle to be waged. Yes. I mean, in a formal way that that you need a method to wage war against the disease of alcoholism. Right. So so there's no, you. you're never free. Well, you're never free because there is this nebulous thing out there that's going to get you. It's cunning, baffling and
0: powerful. I mean, that's just so nutty. And I want to, I want to, he'll remember this. I mean, this personality that I have, I had back then, right? I was kind of outgoing and bubbly and loud. And, Mm -hmm. and I would people, if I was too happy at a meeting, I would get told by old timers. We're talking people with 20 years plus Mm -hmm. that. Oh, you're too happy. Yeah, I got that too. Yeah, that you and we, cause we, there was a group of us young people that were, we, you know, we were kind of going on the basis that we were going to be okay and there was nothing wrong with us because yeah. that's what we were told. And all these people are like, mm, that's some stinking thinking. You're too happy. You're yeah. going to, you think things are going to get tough and then, then you're going to be after the races.
1: That's a terrible thing to tell a 20 year old.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean,
1: or anybody for that matter. But boy, when you're young like that and they're just, They're just squelch and put their thumb on you and saying you know you're always going to be this way you have to be cautious this battle exists really that it is out there to get you
0: we were living our lives we were moving on and and that's what you need that's what it's like when you're not battling you're living you're no longer like once i got to that point which probably a year into it where i was like oh no i get to just move on
1: yeah that that I, it's so strange, you know. We talked about the battle. I can remember we kept we did. well. We kept a lot of the AA folklore as a part of our life. You know, we were going to meetings. We we're just trying to figure it all out.
0: Well, we were trying to fit in in a way. To uh, I was. I,
1: I definitely was. I you wanted. Know? I wanted to be a guru because I thought, how cool would it be to be one of those guys? Because I was always the loser. <laughs> you know what I mean? And here I, I could find a way to not be the loser. To to be something, yeah, and that is really dangerous, and and it ended up being a very bad thing in the end for me. It kept me in AA far too long. Oh, yeah, and and it made me
0: lie because yes. deep down inside, I didn't really believe any of this shit. No, I, I, I really didn't. I, I I don't think I struggled not to drink after three months. I mean, it was the first three months. And even then, that that struggle was a bit esoteric because they never planned on drinking. Right. You know, yeah, it's, and it's so and strange. It was very strange. So, so in order to fit in, you kind of play that game and you, cause you're rewriting your history and then you're, you're, trying making, to, it you're making it, it worse than it was, not that it needed any help in my case, but Me neither. whatever. And you're trying to fit in and, and I had to play a w- weird game because I made it worse, but then I had to pull back on it because my dad was. <laughs> wasn't. And I didn't want him to know half the crap I'd done. Uh, right. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. it it was, it was just a weird time, but all of it was every time I framed it as a battle, it felt like one. Yep. It made it real. Yep. It gave yep. me a m- serious emotional problems. And so I struggled with anxiety. I struggled with depression. Um, but every time I realized that my life was going well, and I was moving forward, I was free. You know, it, it was, and I'm like, why wouldn't I just choose that? I I think, so here's a message that
1: we want to give. It's okay to be free. Yeah. It's okay. If you're sitting there going, and, and I want you to hear this. If you're sitting there going, is it really this complicated? The answer is no, it's not. No. Let your intuition guide you. If you have an intuition that says, you know, I just want to let this part of my life go and it's time for me to move on. I really don't like smoking cocaine anymore. You know what? Neither do the other 98% of past cocaine users.
0: Right. They just decided this isn't for me anymore.
1: That's right. 98% of cocaine users quit when you factor in age. So you're amongst the vast majority of people that did the same exact intuition change that you're doing. So it's, I remember thinking, Many times saying and parroting the AA lore and thinking to myself, this doesn't make sense. This is right. This is silly. It doesn't make any, it's not what I did. You know, I made this decision in my mind two, three, four, five years ago at an accident site, getting a DUI. And I said, my life is going to change tomorrow. And it did. And then I got stuck in treatment and it all came full circle. Yeah. You know?
0: So you don't have to battle anymore. You don't, you don't, it doesn't have to be a battle. It can be the, a process, simply a process of figuring out how you can be happier. And, and look, if, if there's, if you're going back and forth and you have this binge cycle going on, you know, commit to a period of abstinence, open your mind to the possibility that you can really be happier and then start to recognize, just look at just as if you're going to buy a new car, you know, you lo- you list the benefits of the car you have, the stability of it, whatever it is. And then you list the benefits of getting that new car. Okay. Don't look at costs of anything in the moment, but, but the thing about it is when you go through a period of abstinence, there's so many benefits where if you're not paying attention, you'll miss them. And, and sometimes they're, they're small. They're things like, I didn't have to get up and chase. You know, like I didn't have to get up and plan my day around chasing drugs today.
1: Yeah. all right. Yeah. 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 We're going to the liquor store to get my two bottles of wine, and then then thinking, do I get six bottles so that nobody notices? You know, the next yes. four days that I got to show up, or do I buy two and show up every day? And you know. Yeah.
0: Or or just this, yeah. you know the sneaking around and hiding things, or I, I mean. Or it's, I can remember one day, and I think this was right around the time where I stopped framing it as a battle, as I was driving home from work, I think I was driving home from work one day, and and I felt more awake and clear-minded than I had probably in years. And I want to say I was, at that point, three to four months abstinent. I mean, it was that long before it just all of a sudden it hit me that that I was... And I can remember there was another day right around the same time period where a police officer was following me like really closely. And I was like, oh shit. You know, cause instantly I used to have drugs in my car. I used to be driving drunk. Yeah. I drove drunk for months. And then you
1: realize there's nothing wrong.
0: I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm yeah. not even speeding. That's wasn't a big thing speeding. for me. It was huge. That was
1: a big thing for me. Cause yeah. I always had drugs on me and I was usually drunk.
0: And usually drunk. Yeah. And so there was, this was a huge thing is I'm not breaking any laws and, um, and so he went right by me. He didn't have any any need for me. So, so look for if you decide to have a period of abstinence, look for look for the benefits. You the other, know?
1: The other thing is, is if you do struggle, if you're in a cycle where you just can't seem to get your act together, what that means is that you have a lot of logical errors. You have a lot of things that you believe about alcohol and or drugs. Um,
0: And yourself, probably. And and
1: yourself that aren't necessarily true. And you're not really going to understand what I'm talking about here unless you give us a call and talk to us. Yeah. There, There are some things you can read that will make sense. Certainly the entire method to move past this problem is outlined in the Freedom Model. But some people just don't learn well reading. Yeah, you know. So we we have the online course. We have you know that's Freedom Model online program. That's a step up where now you're learning with video, um, or from us. Yeah, from us. And and then we have the family program, online family program, which we just released. Yeah, which we just re- so so. Sometimes you're going to need more help. Don't sit there and cycle for six months, thinking this can't work for me too. This is just another thing that isn't going to work for it. For God's sakes, call us.
0: Yeah, Talk absolutely.
1: Us. We're not going to drill you in and say, you got to come to the retreat. That's not, that's like, that's like, not what we do. Some people will, some people will need that. I needed that. I I lived at our first retreat for a period of time. I was, I was the very first person through this program residentially. And she was basically the second, you know, and but we needed that handholding. Mm. We were really screwed up because we grew up in AA and we needed that kind of interaction to sort through all this. this. Yeah. So my point is, if you're cycling as you're going through the freedom model, don't you don't have to do that. We're here for you and we have lots of resources, like crazy amounts of resources compared to any, any other method that you're going to look at. So, so just don't needlessly cause yourself a long period of misery. We can sort this out with you pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. I think that's, we've covered it for today. And um, I want to remind you, and you heard at the beginning about our Freedom Model International membership site. And so there's no confusion. That is a monthly subscription for $39.95. You get access to all of our online programs, the Freedom Model Online Program, the Freedom Model for the Family, We also will have a monthly two-hour question and answer live for members only with Mark and I. Um, You know, in April, uh, April 2022, uh, the 6th and the um, 20th are our two last uh, Freedom Model uh, live Facebook question and answers. Um, We won't be doing them anymore. We have two new... uh, so They're gonna host that and do that for you, Daniel Neil and Matt Sparks, who are also our certified model instructors um, that you can work with via Zoom. So, um, you know, so if you want to join the membership, there are a whole lot of great benefits. New lessons are put up each week. Um, and there's gonna be a monthly newsletter where we are gonna you know, talk about new research, tackle some current events, some trending review. topics. We're going to have a book review every month. Um, and uh, so you might want to check it out. That's at online.thefreedommodel.org. You can sign up for any one of our services there. So right. thanks, everybody. I hope you have a great week. Bye, everybody.